0: amen (laughs) turn in your bibles if you would to philippians chapter 3 we'll pick up in verse 17 and heavenly citizens you ever think about your home where your home actually is you know so very often you know if you if you have things to do around the house you realize that keeping a home here is a lot of work amen you know it's it's just like seems like everything needs to be painted and you know, if you're anywhere between here and the coast, you know, everything gets that green mold all over it, you know. It's just a lot of work, but can I tell you that uh, you have a heavenly home that's going to be free, and it's not going to be yours to maintain. Amen? And that is the focus as Paul now shifts as we move towards the end of this wonderful book, we'll pick up in verse 17 as our heavenly citizens and as we pray for our time in the word let's pray also for uh, what's going on in in japan and in ecuador as well with the earthquakes and so would you pray with me father we have come as your people and lord we have the privilege of being able to bring before you some uh, deep prayer needs and we pray right now for the relief effort that is going on in japan uh, Lord, hit uh, twice in two days with these massive earthquakes and the loss of life. Lord, those that are struggling, their homes have been destroyed, their businesses destroyed, their schools destroyed, the loss of life, the loved ones that are no longer with them. And, Lord, we pray that you, by your Spirit, would pour out your Spirit in that country right now. Lord, it would be an opportunity for your body to, to rise up and to show your hands of love and compassion And we pray for Ecuador as well, Lord, just another opportunity for us to to bring uh, that country before your throne of grace. And Lord, as they are enduring uh, the same things, Lord, on the opposite side of the same ocean, God, for whatever reason you've allowed uh, these earthquakes to happen in such rapid succession, we know that your word says that in the last days uh, these great earthquakes will increase. And Lord, could it be? Uh, that you're about ready to pour out your spirit one last time on this planet. And so we ask uh, this again would be uh, a time where your body would shine, Lord, where your people would rise up, and that we would be used for your glory. And as we study your word, Lord, would we remember that this earth is not our home, that we are citizens of heaven. Pray that you would instruct us and teach us and bless us with your presence today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Verse 17 here in Philippians 3, brethren, join in following my example and and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. And so as is always the case in Paul's letter, he's shifted from doctrine to duty and we're now in that part of the book of Philippians where we're beginning to take all of these things that we've learned and, and we apply them because they can't just be things that we have heard, they need to be things that we are going to do. And so now the Apostle Paul speaks to us and he says, look, at this time, and think about it this way, nobody had a Bible. It wasn't like the Apostle Paul could say, well, could you go read my letter to the church in Rome? Or could you read the book of Hebrews or or even this letter? There was no letter to the church at Philippi that was circulating. He couldn't tell them to go read God's word. And so he said, follow me. Pattern your life after my example. I can say that. Can you say that today? Could people follow your example in following Christ? And if they did, what would that look like? You have us for a pattern. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even again weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Would you underline that? If you've ever wondered what it is that's a central tenet Of all teaching that is anti-Christ, all cults, it is the cross of Christ. It is the rejection of the finished work being the only means of salvation. Jesus, on Calvary's cross, who died for your sins, was buried in the grave, was raised three days later, they are the enemies of that central doctrine. Most world religions actually honor Jesus. Many will go so far as to say he was a prophet. They'll even say he was a great man, and in fact, very few people would even contend with you if you talked about was Jesus a literal figure and was he a good or a great man. Very few people would contend with that. But they are enemies of the cross of Christ. That's where people still struggle Because it was at that cross that Jesus finally would cry out to tell us it is finished. And because he said it is finished, and he had previously said to the disciples, he said, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. People who object to Christianity object to the cross of Christ. That's the offense. The cross is the offense. And so the Apostle Paul, now going to apply these things that we've already learned, and he's saying, look, here's here's the problem that you're going to face in this world. And he goes on to describe them. Whose end is destruction. You see, if you are an enemy of the cross of Christ, your end is destruction. People don't like to hear that. They don't want you to say, well, Jesus is the only way. They surely don't want to believe that that's the only truth, the only life, and they absolutely do not want to hear that there is no other name under heaven whereby men may be saved. They'll talk about Jesus, they'll talk about God, but the moment you switch to the cross of Christ being the way that man comes to a right relationship with God, that is where the offense comes in whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. And so four characteristics of someone who is not a believer. And verse 20, he goes on now, for our citizenship is in heaven. He he says, here's who they are, And here's who we are. There is an us and them in that sense. There's the saved and the unsaved. There's believers and not. There's saints and ain'ts. There's two roads. One that leads to righteousness. One that leads to godlessness. There's one that goes to heaven. There's one that unfortunately would send you to destruction. Exactly as the apostle is saying. There's only two. There aren't many ways to get to God. There's one way to get to God. And a vast majority of the world hates it when you make that statement. It it, it's seen somehow as exclusive. And in one way, you could say it is, because it's only one way. In the other way, you could say it's absolutely not exclusive because it's free. It's a free gift that allows you to take that gift. It's the gift of faith that gives you grace, that gives you salvation. So it's not like it's hard, it's not like it's difficult. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the savior where's jesus coming back from heaven amen can't wait can't wait to hear that trumpet sound but our king is coming the savior paul only uses this word twice in all of his letters he uses it here and then he names who that savior is interesting He's talking about citizenship. He's talking about the two different ways that you can view that, one as believers and one as unbelievers. He uses the word Savior, which means Messiah, the anointed one, the one who brings about the plan that actually puts this whole thing into perspective for us. And then he tells us exactly who that Savior is, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? He, he pulls no punches. He doesn't back off of how someone comes to a right relationship with God. There's one Savior, and he is the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed into his glorious body. Anybody here waiting for that day? Oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord for his plan. To take care of these mortal tents, these earthly bodies, these bodies of flesh. To be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he was able to even subdue all things to himself. You see, some people kind of put God in a box. They say, well, you know, he, he, he might be able to take care of my finances, but he surely can't take care of my cancer. Well, he can take care of your cancer, too. And it may be that day when you step from time into eternity that he does so, but he will one day wipe out all disease, all sickness. It's been his plan from day one. And so Paul begins by telling us our citizenship is important here. You see, as Christians, your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'll be traveling, I'll need my passport as I board the plane to go to El Salvador. I'll need it to get back. Citizenship is important. It marks where you actually reside. Where Where is your home country, so to speak? If you've traveled internationally, you know you carry that that blue passport with the seal of the great country that we live in. And you, you get back to the airport, you walk up there and it says residents only and you're going yeah that's me and you look at all those longer lines that say foreign travelers and there you feel sorry for them because they're winding through the rat maze you know getting to the two guys that are you know handling the ten thousand other people and here's all the u.s citizens that get to go through that one special line it's a beautiful beautiful example of who we are in christ you can only go in that line if you're a citizen amen That's us. That's who we are. You're precious in the sight of the Lord. The Apostle Paul was no doubt using his Roman citizenship as a way to help people understand this. But you know, when you trust Christ, you become a citizen of heaven. You've got a new passport and it's stamped heaven. And one day you're going to go home to your home country, which isn't here, it's there. That's the glorious promise we have. We all go through things while we're here, and when you travel, interestingly enough, it is such a great analogy of our lives lived here. You know, it's not the same being in other countries. Things are different. Food's different. Water's different. In many areas of the world you can't drink the water out of the tap. As bad as it tastes in Lomita, it's still better than in most of South America. Okay. I'll take chlorine over botulism every time, you know. You know, we 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 often whine and grumble and complain, and even in the in in the industrialized world where things are relatively good, it's not the same as being here. Now imagine uh, a hundredfold as you step into the glories of heaven. You're a citizen of heaven. You need to think that way. There was a book that was written during the Civil War, 1863, by Edward Everett Hale. And it was a, actually a booklet. It was published in the Atlantic Monthly originally. And it was entitled, A Man Without a Country. And it was it was kind of a fictitious account uh, of Aaron Burr's life. And and what happened was, as he committed treason, this man said that he, had, he would agree to kind of take Aaron Burr's side in all of this. And as such... He was sentenced to travel on ships for the rest of his days and never, ever, ever set foot back in the United States again. And so for 40-plus years, he traveled from ship to ship to ship to ship and never, ever again put his feet back on the shores of the United States. You, You see, that's not you. You will one day, though you've been traveling long and hard and enduring all kinds of things... One day you're going to grace the halls of heaven. You'll make it home. Amen? And you see, the reason you know that is that book of life that contains your name, you see, when you confess Christ here on this earth, he confesses your name in heaven. Amen? So, so you do have a country. And that country is a heavenly country. You see, so very often we look at our lives here as kind of like the end, and it's not. This is the beginning. The end is there. One of my trips to Washington, D.C. with Family Research Council, I had an opportunity to contact Senator Feinstein's office, and uh, she gave me permission to to visit the Senate chambers. And when you you do that, you have to have an invite from your senator. And when I got to the gate, I was supposed to be there at 1 o'clock, and I presented my my ID and they said, well, welcome, Mr. Gill. Come on in. The reason that that happened was two things. My name was on a list and I got invited. And those are the two things that you need. Your name needs to be on the list and you got invited by Jesus. You're a citizen of that country and it brings glorious privilege into your life. It's not egotism. Notice verse 17 we need to follow this blueprint. And Paul could say, look, look at my life. Paul himself had been an enemy of God. Amen? Anybody in here an enemy of God at one point in time? I was. I was dead in my trespasses and sins. But he hath made me alive, made you alive. Amen? Amen? You, you see, you were formerly a citizen of another country. But you now have a new citizenship. And the apostle says, look, you can follow my example. You can imitate it. You can look at my life. You see, you don't want to fail in this point because you have tremendous privileges, but you have to use your privileges correctly. You need to take what God's given you in your life and then use it. You can squander it if you want. You cannot follow Christ's example you can live as a pauper, even, spiritually. You can reject the good things that God wants to do in your life. You do not have to live as a heavenly citizen right now. But Paul said, why don't you live as a heavenly citizen while you're here and then really get the full benefit there? You see, we, we can do that. We call that abiding in the vine. Amen? Amen? walking in that abundant life that Christ wants for us. There's an interesting character, born in 1909, and his his name was William And William Sittis is widely believed to be the most intelligent person that's ever been documented on the face of the earth. His IQ was in the range of 285. To give you an idea, Einstein's was 140, 160, something like that. Brilliant, brilliant young man. He went to Harvard when he was 13 years old, began to debate and then in, uh, instruct people in, in mathematics at age 12, actually, would finally be admitted, graduates from Harvard with a degree in mathematics at age 16. But from there, the story is a Tragedy. He went back to get an advanced degree. He dropped out of college. Never achieved even his, his master's degree, much less a PhD. He became a communist socialist sympathizer. He got arrested. He was cut off basically by his own doing from all contact with society. In his adult years, he spent the rest of his life memorizing streetcar numbers and schedules. And he died a pauper in a run-down apartment. You see, he squandered the amazing potential that he had. Be careful that you don't squander the amazing potential that you have in Christ. Because you are a citizen of heaven. And God's at work doing wonderful things in your life. So follow the blueprint. Do what God tells you to do. And to that end, Paul says, look, you've got to beware of bad examples. He said, for many walk, of whom I've told you often, now tell you weeping. They're enemies of the cross of Christ. There are all kinds of people who will try and rip off the grace of God, the glory of God, the wonder of God, the power of God, the beauty of God, the word of God. They'll try and steal that stuff out of your life. And you need to be careful because people are going to try and do that. It's up to you to use what you have for his glory. That's where your part comes in. You get some choices in life, amen? If You walk with the Lord for very long, you know this is true. God does not do everything for you. He simply gives you every opportunity. And then you get to choose this day whom you will serve and what you will do. And so Paul admonishes us. He says, look, don't, don't buy into it. And my guess is he was talking about the Judaizers. He could possibly have been uh, talking about those who held to antinomianism, which anti meaning against and nomos meaning law. In other words, they were against any kind of laws. In other words, you, you didn't have to do anything, which is in direct conflict with Romans chapter 6. Where Paul says, you know, if if we're really saved, should we go on sinning that grace might abound? That he answers his own question. He says, certainly not. You see, if we are God's children, we should have changed lives. Amen? Something should happen. If, if nothing happened, then probably nothing happened. It's not that tough to understand. People will sometimes come, well, you know, nothing happened. I say, well, are you sure that you made a, a genuine confession? Did you... Did you actually really invite Christ into your life, or were you in the heat of the moment simply being emotional about something? Those two things are not necessarily one and the same. You see, we then should be walking. How do you spot those people? You see that grace that comes to us, there's a way to spot it. Notice these four things. It's actually quite simple whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly whose glory is their shame, and their mind is set on earthly things. You you see, when you talk to people who really don't know the Lord, they're actually fairly content that either they don't believe that there is a heaven or they don't believe there is hell, and they're not really concerned with eternal things at all. And so consequently, their end result will be destruction, whether they believe that there is such a place or not. And so people without the Lord, their destiny is that Galatians 5, 4, they're alienated from God. That life that we have in Christ, they're not partakers of it. They, they don't understand it. They don't get it. They don't want it. Then he goes on to say, look. Their their God is their stomach, and whether he's talking about the antinomian view, which is you care so much about food and, you know, all kinds of things, you're just concerned with that, or whether he's talking about the Judaizers, which it was the law, if you were a Judaizer, what you were concerned with is, well, you know, I can't mix meat and milk. One of the crazy things when you go to Israel, when you travel there, you can't get a cheeseburger. Can't do it. It's milk and it's meat mixed together. No can do, not kosher. You see, so you start getting all concerned. like, man, my double-double is cursed. <laughs> start freaking out over your burger. Instead of what God said through Peter, just enjoy all things richly that he's given you. You, you see, you can, you can care about the law too much and you can care about the law not at all. And somewhere in the middle is where the Christian dwells. We need to care about what God said because that's the way we're supposed to live our lives. But we shouldn't be so concerned that the law begins to drive us away from the grace of God and we become legalists. We walk in grace, family of God. Praise God for it. Amen? Praise God. You see, their God was their stomach. Their glory is their shame. In other words, the things that they thought were glorious were actually shameful. Isn't that our world today without Christ? Isn't the things that people do that they glory in, isn't it actually shameful? It's unbelievable what people find glorious today. The behavior of some of our athletes, not all, but some. Hollywood, the movies, politicians, is not that shameful, and yet they think it's well, look, I have this position. I'm a congressman, I'm a senator. I'm running for the office of the President of the United States and I have to use explicatives. God help us. God help us if that's our standard of righteousness. If that's what it means to profess Christ and then you follow that profession with profanity, there's something seriously wrong with your relationship with Christ. (laughs) If you have one at all. You see, their glory is their shame. What they glory in is shameful. And their mind is on earthly things. Again, there's nothing wrong with being concerned about earthly things. You you need to watch where you're driving. You should make your mortgage payment on time. It's not talking about that. It's being so concerned with those things that you're not concerned with the things of God. That's the difference. Their minds were so on earthly things that they forgot heavenly things. They didn't even care about heavenly things. And so he defines for us someone who really does not legitimately have a way that they can say they have a relationship with the Lord. We should not be like them. We should be like Christ. And if you do that, here's what's going to happen. You're going to kind of have a resident alien status while you're here. Now, if you know anything about our immigration system, you can get a resident alien status here in the United States. That means you're allowed to live here And you can do things like pay taxes and all those kind of things that normally would happen to someone who lives here. But you're not actually a citizen of the United States. You're just allowed to stay here and work and do all the things that you would normally do in life. As Christians, we kind of have resident alien status. We have to stay here, we get to work here, we get to do all kinds of things here, we get to share our lives together here, but this is not where we actually live. This is not our country. Our country's up there. And so we have that same kind of status. Paul looked at it, he was a citizen of Rome, but he's in Philippi, in in modern-day Turkey. And so those who were in the church at Philippi, though they were Roman citizens, actually were in Philippi, which was not in Rome. We're the same family of God. We're here. This is where we are temporarily. 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years maybe. But you're only here for a short period of time relative to your actual status as a citizen. When you fill out immigration forms, when you're traveling internationally, there's always a little box and it says, uh, what is your country of citizenship? And you put down USA if you're here as a U.S. citizen. But you're traveling to another country. While you're there, you're a guest in that country. We're just guests here. And one day we're going home. Our citizenship is in heaven. (laughs) I look at this and it just encourages me because I know all the things that we go through while we're here, this is all temporary. It seems like a long time. And so how does Paul wrap this up? Look at verse 21, and we'll close with this. Who will transform your lowly body? In other words, while you're traveling... While you're here in this country, while you're on this earth, while you're here, here, you have a body that's suited for this place. Right here, right now. But it's not actually the one you're going to have. Because you're actually a citizen of a different country. And that country's heaven. We'll transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body, amen, working accordingly to those things by which he is able to even subdue all things to himself. So when we go to the book of Colossians and we realize that through Christ, all things that were made have been made, and without him was nothing made that was made, you see, God actually does have all of our infirmities firmly in view, all of our weaknesses. He is the God that defeats what has happened to us through sin. These mortal bodies that were made for our time while we were here, people living with disease, very often want to be in control of of all that's going on. And we see doctors and nurses and we go to hospitals and do all those kinds of things. And there are times when Nothing further can be done. But that's not the end of it for God. Because he has a plan to give you a brand and new one that's suited for heaven. Amen? Amen? He's the answer to cancer. He's the answer to heart disease. He's the answer to MS and Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. He's the answer to those things that we look at and oh, this is the end of my citizenship. Oh no, it's not. If you're a believer in Christ, you get a new body when you go home. And it's suited for heavenly citizenship. It's not made with hands, it's made from heaven. No more death, no more dying, no more disease, no more sickness. It's glorious in the heavens. And so the Apostle Paul says, look, make sure that your citizenship is squared away. Because you can change citizenship. You can go from life that's here and now, which is actually called death, amen, to life in heaven, which is real life. You can change. If you're here today and you've never made that change, you've never said, I really want to change my citizenship. I want to become a citizen of heaven. It is simple. To believe on his name is to be saved. And then he will change you. He'll start getting you ready for that journey home. He'll give you a new passport. You'll stamp in it, citizen of heaven. So that when you take your last breath, the next thing you see is welcome home good and faithful servant Amen. would you pray with me father in heaven how we are so looking forward to that day and i want to pray for those that are here today and they're struggling god their, their physical issues the the bodies that we have while we're on this earth, Lord, they've been afflicted with pain and suffering and sorrow and disease and sickness, God, all the results of of sin. Not theirs, but the sin that so easily besets us and runs rampant in this world, Lord, as the enemy has come and messed up your creation. God, we pray that you would just touch those who are in great need today. Would you heal? would you strengthen but Lord we we pray that you'd keep us mindful of that day when you're going to call us home when you're going to take care of every sickness and every disease and every eye all those who love your appearing will see you one day Lord and we look forward to that day so God would you bless us would you bless them would you touch and heal God would you call those who are still outside of your kingdom, Lord, the ones whose names are not written in your book of life. God, would you call them even right now according to your glorious purposes? Would they realize that without their name in the book of life, they'll not see heaven? And so, Lord, we bless you. We thank you for your truth. Pray that you'd keep us aching for heaven. Lord, would we keep our passport out? Would we look at it frequently and often? to remember that we are citizens of heaven. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand?